Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Steve Andrews. His sermon is entitled, Following His Steps. It's interesting how difficult sometimes it is to come up with a, uh, a beginning of a message. And uh, so I thought, well, I would, uh, I think all of you are uh, aware of the uh, the situation down in Antarctica. And I got to thinking how um, God must uh, have a little sense of humor. See, the scientists in this boat, or actually there was a nice big ship, uh, they were going down there to uh, look at uh, the potential um, for global warming and the fact that uh, all of this ice was melting away in Antarctica. And what do they find? They get stuck in the ice. Well, they were there for a while, and um, so they mounted a rescue. Uh, some Chinese ship decided they would come and rescue these poor souls who were looking for global warming. And, well, they rescued them, got them off of the ship, and got them onto their ship, and now they're still stuck in the ice. So I think God has a little sense of humor for these people who are, you know, so convinced that um, God doesn't know what in the world he's doing and that uh, they're out there to, to prove him wrong. And, you know, it's uh, kind of interesting. Anyway, it, it's um, always interesting when um, uh, the songs and the message before and all of that fall into place and everything is the same um, message that we, we bring because I think we understand that God's Spirit works to bring about what He wants to bring about. My message today is following His steps, which is uh, following Christ's steps. And I want to start in 1 Peter, the second chapter. As Peter's epistle, I think, Starts this off very well. And in the beginning in verse 17, he says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We don't have any king, but we do have a president, and sometimes it's very difficult to honor our leaders, and yet we're told that we should do that. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the forward. Some of these are very difficult to, to adhere to in our lives, isn't it? For this is trust thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief and suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if we, when <clears throat> you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. And sometimes it's Things in our life do seem very difficult and very hard. And they don't always work out the way we think that they should. And God has called us to be faithful and patient in all those ways. For even hereto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. We should follow his steps. 
who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. When he committed himself to him that judges, uh, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on, that, on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live to righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed, or you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray. And I think all of us at one time in our life, unless we grew up in this way of life, felt that way, that we were out there wandering around until that spirit began to direct and lead and guide us into this way. But now, returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls, Jesus Christ, the shepherd and bishop of all of our souls. You know, when we come before God to ask God to help us to, to bring a message, we always have to be cognizant of the messages that Jesus <laughs> gave to us in his word, in his truth. We know that um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 11 verse 1, I'm, I don't need I put that in there, be you followers of me even as I also am of Christ. And so when we ask that you hear our messages and you understand our words, that you must understand that we are following Christ, that we are trying to follow the messages that Christ gives us. We also understand that there, you know, there isn't a, a hierarchy in the, in the churches as, as, as um, Jesus taught, taught us in Mark, the 10th chapter. You know, it was interesting. His um, his disciples, and I can understand this. Sometimes, from a human perspective, you get to thinking about these things, and Jesus is leading and guiding and leading them, and and so uh, he's talking about the kingdom of God and being in the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, here James and John, in verse thirty-five, the sons of Zebedee, come to him saying, "Master." We would that you should do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Well, that's kind of a bold, bold statement from his disciples, isn't it? And he said to them, what would you that I do for you? What is it that you want? Of course, you probably already knew, but they said unto him, grant to us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. Jesus said to them, you know not what you ask. Can you drink the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Very special what Jesus was called for. And they said to him, we can. And Jesus says, well, you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of with the baptism that I am baptized with. Uh, you shall be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. 
And it is interesting that even Jesus understood that God the Father was going to pick these individuals that were going to sit on, that were going to have this particular position in the kingdom. And when the ten heard, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said to, to them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. I mean, there was a... a you know, Romans were um, in authority over the, that country at that time, and they, they exercised great authority with a lot of uh, uh, military might behind them. But so shall it not be among you. That's kind of a hard way to, to put that. We would do that a little differently, but that's the way it reads in the scriptures. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And that word minister means servant. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. And of course, that word chiefest means the first or that those that are out serving. They're, they're going to be the servant of all. And, and Jesus wanted us to understand that he is the one that's led in this particular area. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life for ransom for many. We follow in his steps. It is for us to follow in Jesus' steps. And the words that he gives us are the words that we follow. In Ephesians 4, and I appreciate uh, Doyle's uh, message because I actually found another scripture that I added to the ones I have already because it fit in very, very well. It isn't this one, but it will be a little later, and, I, and uh, Brian doesn't even have it, so... It'll be a surprise to him too. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. All of us are very familiar with these scriptures. They're very, very much a part of our life, and, and we understand them, and they've been expounded and explained before many, many times. But in the context of what we've, the songs that we've had and the messages that we had and where we're at, it, I think that they just fit in so very, very well today. And it is the message that I, I would like to get across as we come together on a weekly basis. In verse 11, he says, some are, and he gave, Jesus gave, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And it's interesting here, he lumps all of those together for, one, for this purpose, for the, for the perfecting of the saints. All of these have the same purpose, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Whatever God the Father and Jesus Christ decide to do, to help, to guide, to lead, those are the things that they want to be delivered to the body. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, that's a mature, upright, perfect man, to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. And I don't think any of us are there. I know I, I look at myself on a daily basis and I know that I am not to that stature and fullness 
that we hereafter no more, uh, we, that we hereafter be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Even Christ. We put him forth. He is the one that we, we, we put forth, Jesus Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. We're going to talk about the body here in a little bit. Because it's Christ's body that we have come to understand is the church, Christ's body. Joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part makes increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. And you see that body comes together in love and concern for one another. One another. See how far I wanted to go with this. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you here after walk not after not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness in their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And that's interesting. That Bible study, that understanding of the word that you put off concerning the former con uh, conduct, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your, uh, of your mind, that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Instructions from Paul in that particular area. Jesus, as we said, as we fought, as we as we read here earlier, is the head, and we see that again here in Ephesians the first chapter, beginning in, in verse seventeen, Ephesians one and verse seventeen, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being lightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceedingly greatness of his power to us, uh, to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. This is a powerful being, Jesus, sitting at the right hand of the Father, far above all those principalities and powers, and has put all things under his feet and, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So Christ is the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And we are 
very precious to Christ because we are part of his body. In Colossians, the first chapter, and beginning in verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that is, that in all things he might have the preeminence, that is the first place in everything that is done. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself by him. I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable uh, in his sight. It is a work of God, a work of Christ, this body that we are a part of to bring us into the kingdom of God, to bring us in their pure, completely and totally pure into that kingdom. Unblameable, unreprovable. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which you have which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am a minister. And those who get up here and preach that gospel, you can say the same thing. That that's where we, we want everyone in the kingdom of God to preach this message, the gospel message. In Ephesians, back to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians has an awful lot to say about these things. It's a, it's a beautiful epistle that Paul wrote. And uh, I know Lawrence and I and Barnabas and all have <coughs> really used this epistle a lot in teaching and preaching uh, this message. He says in verse 21, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. He wants us to have a loving relationship. It's interesting, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so, like the <clears throat> so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. <clears throat> And understanding that Paul is giving us some instruction both about marriage and about the relationship of Christ to the church. Christ to the individual, you know, to the, to the church body. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of, the, uh, washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men also to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. You see this relationship that, that is drawn here, that Paul draws 
this relationship in the church and, and the marriage relationship and that close bond that should be in each and every marriage. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. He says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he ties all this together, marriage and the church and the relationship there. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So as you can see, he uses this as a way of helping us to understand this relationship of Christ and the church. Now let's look at the, the body itself, the, the, what we represent as the body. Christ is the head, we are the, the body, that God, that, 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 um, the body of Christ. Now, as I said, um, Doyle gave me a, a scripture here. Let's go back to Romans, the 12th chapter, where he was. And I appreciate that because as I was looking through there, it, <coughs> it was one that I missed. You're, you think, you, you meditate, you, you try to draw some scriptures together that you want to use, and sometimes you miss them. But it's interesting that today, one of those areas that I, I really wanted to bring out was brought out by, by Doyle and, and, um, in his message, and I appreciate that. So let's, let's pick it up here in verse 3. Uh, in in um, Romans verse t uh, chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of the one another. We are all joined together, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to, to the uh, proportion of faith, of, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching. There's, there's different things. There's different talents in the, in, the, in the congregation, in the body of Christ. And those, are, those talents need to be, be exercised and used because... Those are the things that God and Christ have given for, for us to, to exercise. For he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dis dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. And he says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Paul's admonition for the body of Christ, the body. So let's look a little bit deeper as Paul explains this even more profoundly in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, as he digs deeper into this, this idea of Christ's body and the different members in that body. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not that you be, have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols even as you were led. So, you know, at one time they, 
they were worshiping in the different temples and had different idols, and Paul, and they were called out of that. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So God gives that Spirit to us so that we can both serve Him and serve one another. There are differences of administra uh, administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit of the word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works that one uh, and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severely as he will. For as a body is one and as many members, and all the members of that body, uh, that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been, uh, and have been all made to drink of that one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. It's interesting how he now uses these analogies of the different parts of the body to help us to understand this diversity and help us to understand this one body concept that we are uh, together as as one body. If the foot shall say, but I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? I don't know how many of you have, uh, well, I'm sure everybody has at one time or another, stubbed their toe. And how quickly that gets to your brain. <laughs> you would think that down there, all the way down there, stubbing your toe would take a while for it to get to your brain, but it's instantaneous. And that kind of gives us an idea that when we hurt, when we're hurting, when we have things that are hurting us, that that goes to Christ, who is the head, who understands our trials, our tribulations, and our hurts. And maybe sometimes the things we don't understand real well, he, he understands that and tries to comfort us in those things. And I know there's a lot of things that I... I would like uh, to have cleared up, but maybe I'll have to wait someday to end the kingdom for those things to be completely cleared up. He says, uh, continuing on, and if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where is the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where is the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them in the body, as has pleased him. I think that's a very important thing to understand. That when we come together, it's to the pleasure of God and to the pleasure of Jesus Christ. And that they have set us into this body for a reason. 
And if they were all one member, where was the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which is lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. That's what the Bible is all about, loving one another, having care one for another, caring about each other in, in our trials and our tribulations and their, our different struggles. He says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. And I know I've had those opportunities in my ministry to, to help and to serve when there is a need for comfort uh, during um, funerals and different things, and also rejoice, and to rejoice during those times when we have uh, weddings and uh, baptisms and those, those things that are, are rejoiceful. But they're all part of what we go through as members of the body, members of this body. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You, you, we, all of us, all of us are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? You know, he, he's kind of scattered those things around so that there would be um, those that can excel in, in God's church. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show, I, show you a more excellent way. It's interesting. He goes through all of this about the body that we have, the body of Christ, our, our, our body here, the, those of us that are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men, in, verse, in chapter 13, and of angels, and have not love, and that word charity means love, I have become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. He, he shows that we need to have the love for one another also, to have that love in our heart, love for one another, love, love that is so important. And, and with all of these gifts and with all of that, if we don't have this love, he says, it's, it's, not, it's not worth it. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to, the, to feed the poor, and though I give all my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. And I'm, I'm using, and even though the King James is probably up there, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and, 
and put that word love in there because that's exactly what that means. Love wants not itself and is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is part shall be done away. Now what will be left when all of this is over with is the love that God is going to show his children by bringing them into the kingdom and being a part of his body. in the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us that he's the good shepherd and he is looking after us as we are his precious and wonderful sheep. Let's turn to John the 10th chapter to understand this parable that Jesus brought. Yeah. If I get to John the 10th chapter, I'll be all right. At least that time I didn't start reading in one of them. and uh, <laughs> Just keep right on going. Verily, in verse 1, Verily I say unto you, He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but cl climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and robber. But he that enters by the door in the sheep, um, He that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And of course we have that song, they know his voice. This parable spoke Jesus to them, but they understood not what things they were they which he spoke to them, and then said Jesus to them again. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that he might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. That is such a beautiful scripture. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, and flees. The wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. It's interesting in the Psalms 23, that beautiful psalm that, that David was inspired to write about the shepherds and how comforting it is. Let's turn over there just real quickly to Psalm 23 as we, before we come to the end of, of, of uh, Jesus' message. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How beautiful that is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Jesus is the one that is concerned about our life, concerned about us on a, on a very personal basis. He dwells within us through the Spirit, and He knows us. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Isn't it interesting? It's for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, this is also a promise of eternal life in the Psalms. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever and ever. Let's go back to Jesus' words again. The good shepherd. The hireling flees because he is the hireling. He cares not for the sheep. That's 13. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. You know Jesus Christ. You know him, don't you? Do you have a personal relationship with him? I know you do. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. It's interesting. Jesus looked out into the future from his death onward. All of those that would be called, they are a part of his flock. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That day, I look forward to that time. In the kingdom, when we're all together, we have that beautiful opportunity to, to be with the, the Father and the Son and the, the great, the, the good shepherd. In John, the 21st chapter, speaking of Peter, in the first words that I brought out there, Jesus wanted Peter to, to do something very important that he felt was extremely, extremely important. And it's a message to all who preach and teach and to all who uh, take up um, this mantle to, to preach this word. This is the third time that he came before, and this is in John, the 21st chapter, and beginning in... Uh, verse, four verse 14. Now this, this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he had risen from the dead. And of course he had, you know, they brought in lots of fishes and he had fixed them a meal and, and they had sat down to eat and he, <clears throat> and he, he began to ask Peter. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, love you me more than these? And he said to him, yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says to him, feed my lambs. And it's interesting that the word that Jesus uses in the Greek is the word agapio, agapa, or agape. And it means divine love. And then, of course, Peter said back, yeah, I, I like you. I love you. I like you. 
Jesus wasn't wanting that particular word. He was, he was wanting uh, Peter to, to understand how important it was. To feed my lambs, he said. He says to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, love me, love you me. And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He said the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, love you me. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Love you me. And he said, Lord, he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. That must ring true to everyone that preaches and teaches. Feed the sheep. Help them along. Help them to understand. Help them to, to, to come and to be understanding uh, that Jesus loves each and every one of us. Wants us to be together and to be a part of his body. As he is the head, we are the body. And we are to love one another. Many different things. Finally, brethren... I'd like to turn to a, a couple of places here. Because um, we, in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, we understand where we come from, no matter who we are. <laughs> it says in verse 22 of 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, and a stumbling block to the Greeks' foolishness. But to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Are called. But God has cho chosen... God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world. And things which are despised as God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring, to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God has made to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according to as is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. And that's the way that we should be. As we come together on, and we, as part of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, all the different analogies that we have, we should be glorying in the Lord that we can come together, that we can worship together, that we can love one another and enjoy being together every Sabbath. As Jesus was parting this earth, he left a, a lot of instruction in, in the book of John. And we read it every year at Passover, but I wanted to just read a few verses. I just wanted to jump in here at the end of this message Beginning in John, the 15th chapter, and beginning in verse 8. He says, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Oh, it's, it, it should be all of our goals that we have that fruit of the Spirit and that we grow in that. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Can you imagine Jesus sitting before his disciples, well, even just sitting before us, and telling us these wonderful words, and helping us to understand his love for us, his love, because he gave his life, he shed his own blood, that we might have hope and salvation. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Herein I, I call you not servants. Herein I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have known to you. Brethren, we are to walk and to follow his steps.